All on my plates, my chain so throw to the fuck up face. My top got dropped like a favorite rapper when the album flies, then it didn't place. Great and crawl, two miles per hour in the old school, I can scrape it all. The cold sack, parking lot, the valley line, the boulevard. Rhymes poking like shish kebab on the barbie grill. You can't spray the way I catch a wave, I can pop trunk on a beta seal, for real. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 96 of the Splash Cash, the ATL edition. I'm your co-host, Reggie. I'm your co-host, Norwood. And I, I don't know how to feel about the Hawks right now. Well, since I bought this hat, we have 500. Same way we've been doing. So this hat don't mean shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, nothing means anything. We are the most five hundred team of all five hundred teams in all five hundred years of basketball. So, where are we going to start? Let's start with the schedule, and then we'll get to the standings. So, the Hawks this week uh, will be right here since we got the schedule. Um, I gotta scroll. This last week from Friday to Saturday, or we'll do Sunday to Saturday. The Hawks play San Antonio, Detroit, Minnesota. No, you didn't have to bring that one up. What, San Antonio? (laughs) And Indiana. I mean, that's part of the week. So last week we played four games, two at home, two on the road. We had just beat Golden State at home, uh, even though Steph Curry went Steph Curry-ish, right? So we had just beat Golden State, and – I said on there, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I said the Hawks should have the opportunity. The Hawks should have the opportunity to maybe rattle off some of these wins and get a couple games above 500. I said we play San Antonio. They are literally have, I think they have 13 wins now after this game. Then we play Detroit. Then we play at Minnesota. We don't know about Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards had just gotten hurt. I really fear uh, Anthony Edwards more than Carl Anthony Towns. I really didn't care if he came back or not. Then we played Indiana. I thought we were going to go 3-1 and one here. I thought we were going to give up a game to Indiana and we were going to beat Minnesota. I did not see us losing to San Antonio. We blew this game. Uh, we talked about it. We scored 83 points in the first half. Uh... We scored, so let's do math real quick. We scored 83 points in the first half. 118 minus 83 is 35. We scored more points in the first quarter than we did the entire second half. Scored more points in the second quarter than we did the entire second half. 
San Antonio and Keldon Johnson ended up going berserk against us. Um, we could not make a shot. I think in this game, we scored 83 points because we start, we were making all the difficult shots, but we were taking terrible shots. And all of those shots went out the door in the second half. It was a horrible game. So <clears throat> when you said that, we should rattle off a couple games in a row. What did I tell you? You said, said no, nah, we're at 500. Don't, we're, we're a 500 team. We're going to stay at 500. Exactly. Don't trick yourself into believing because you saw one game or two games, this team is any different than who it is. This is a 500 team. And in that time, we had, we had the ability to find a way to lose to the San Antonio Spurs, who won the worst teams in the NBA, after having the best half in, in the NBA this season. Uh, we did beat Detroit, but it was a dog fight against a team that I feel like we should be substantially better than. I don't think it was a dog fight. Detroit? I've, yes. I feel like for the majority of the game, it wasn't until the very end of the game where I felt comfortable that we were going to win this game. For a, for their roster, we should be able to just beat them handily in the game be over. I knew that we were going to lose to Minnesota because I there's too much size in the paint between Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Um, and the Pacers, they fought us the whole game. So I always knew that the Pacers game was going to be difficult. I knew it was going to be difficult because as much as I still I think Trey Young is better than Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, uh, Aaron Naismith, and all of those players have insane games against us because Jordan Norah went. And he we'll get to nuclear. it. We'll get to it. They have great games. So I knew we were gonna I knew it was gonna struggle against Indiana. I assumed that that was gonna be the loss. I thought we were gonna win three in a row. Personally. I thought we were gonna beat San Antonio. I thought we were gonna beat Detroit. I had no reason to believe that Minnesota was gonna beat us without Anthony Edwards because Cat has been out for fifty one games. So even if he was coming back for this game, and I think I texted you when they said he's coming back for the Hawks game. I said, Of course, that'd be the game to come back on. Um I was like, we should be able to beat them. Man, I was watching these games. San Antonio, I didn't. I turned it off. I turned it off midway through the third quarter. I was like, oh, this game about to be over with. We about to lose. That that is that is the worst loss of the season. Easily. 100%. One. That is that is that's embarrassing. That one. Um, and you can't blame that. You can't blame that on Nate either. I don't. I don't really know who to blame that on. I mean, you scored the. I will say the Hawks with uh, Snyder. Our offense has been humming. I mean, look at the well, we look don't at, play any outside defense. of Washington. We don't play any, defense. which was a defensive game. We fired Nate on what he's in. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think it's around here. If you look now, man, we give up a 30-point quarter damn near. Like, that's just normal. And I hate to say it, but that puts you in a tough position. You got to really be scoring a bunch of points because you know you're going to give up 30-point quarters damn near every game regularly. And look at it. It's 130, uh, 130, 122, 114 in a defensive battle, which that's where two-way Trey played. 130, 125. 
115. We allowed 136. We allowed 140 points. Um, 127, 126, 129, 125, 143. We're averaging just off the top of my head. That's in the one, one high 120s is what we're averaging. But the defense, man, is so bad. It's, it is gone. Nate packed up the defense, put it in his briefcase, and left, and it has never come back again. We don't, and it's, it's it's discouraging for a multitude of reasons. Um, the surprising part of our defense, or lack thereof, has been at the two guard position. Dejounte Murray. Now he had he was sick for a week, so I don't know, but his defense has tapered off a little bit. Now he did set the bar super high. I mean, he set it up. High super risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. That's how you end up with 100, 100 steals for four Every seasons year. in a row. Yeah, he he plays like a cornerback, and it 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 it, it comes it, it when it works, it works. But when yes. he's off, when he's off, but man, that, scored. The issue with that is is if you were not playing with such another defensively deficient person you could probably get off with doing that but when you do that you break the whole defense down and i'll also say in these losses his offense hasn't been great either so you could take that defensive argument and put that on the offensive side too because trey for a lot of these games especially the probably the past five DeJounte hasn't I mean he didn't he didn't have a great game against San Antonio. He was okay against Golden State. I don't think he played against Detroit. He didn't play against Minnesota and he played against Indiana. And he was okay against Indiana. Um his offense hasn't been to the level that it was at first. So I think this is he's starting to hit maybe that wall a little bit. And again, he was sick, so that is a big deal. Because I think he played sick against San Antonio, and he ended up leaving. He's going to have to escalate his game going forward. He can't have many more. That how how like, like at this point for me, those games are what they are. But you can't keep having these games at this point. You yeah, need to play at a high level, or this is going to start looking bad. Yeah, man. Especially um, these next. I mean, we got what two weeks left in the season. We close out at Boston. Man. You can go ahead and assume that's a loss. We play Philadelphia. You can go ahead and assume and beat Elijah one is going to be trying to win the MVP. We should beat Washington, should beat Chicago. Dallas is uh, absolutely imploding. Brooklyn, probably a loss. Cleveland, good game, could be a loss. Probably, I say that's a win. Then you got Memphis with job at. This is a cr- this next week. In basketball, it's kind of crazy for us. See, but this is the reason that you can't do exactly what we did last week. So that San Antonio game, we gave them that game. We're going to need that game to try to stay at 500. And then the Minnesota game, we got cheated. (laughs) So we need both of those games back now and don't have them. So, I mean, so... What this does with the playoff picture, right? Um, dang, let me see if I can uh, slide this over a little bit. But we just 
for the playoff picture. And we match with Miami. Jesus. Right now, as it stands, the Hawks match with Miami at the number eight seed. And Jimmy Butler in Miami just beat the hell out of the Knicks. <laughs> Twice. Um, but, they, but they lost last night. Yeah. They, they um, barely holding on, too. Yeah. Um, but that probably is the worst matchup for us because of our place. Definitely. It's not the worst matchup for us in terms of roster. If we played the correct way and played inside out against the Heat, there's nothing that they could do for us. Nothing. Well, well you know we're not going to play inside out when we played the Pacers with no center. No Miles Turner, and we just shooting threes. I was counting threes at the beginning of the game, like trying not to, trying to keep my emotions in check. And I just <laughs> see three after three after three after three. And I'm like, there's no Miles Turner in the paint. What are you doing? There's, there's nobody to stop John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, or Clint Capella, or really anybody. Well, DeAndre Hunter didn't. And that's the reason. Yeah. I don't I don't know if we have like low basketball IQ. I don't want to say that our players don't. Something hit. It doesn't make sense to me. The amount of three-pointers we shot playing against a small lineup made no sense to me. And that has to be it has to be on somebody. Yeah. That's either the coach not coaching effectively or the players making just doing anything. I don't like to speculate, right? But I do. If there's an issue, a fundamental basketball IQ issue across now three coaches, is it really on the coach? Is it on the player? Because it's not just Trey. DeJounte and Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bay got that DeAndre Hunter in him. He don't pass the he be that little fake pass that he do, he do that every game, all the time. You know, he will not swing the ball. I like that at least he at least he got another move. Like everybody else just shoots it. Don't even at least Sadiq will hit you with one to see if you'll bite and then I just shoot it anyway. So you know, you have these play and they shoot, but is it is it on the front office? Is this the way the front office wants to play? We know that the front office is very involved. And when I say front office, I don't mean general manager. I mean basketball operations and owners. Ownership is very involved in which and how we play. And to us, to me, it's very evident that they are solely focused on money and revenue. So is that on us? Somewhere along the way, it just doesn't make sense to me. Because think about it, playing inside out is boring in basketball. The way that you play now is boring. If you were to play inside out post post John Collins every time he hit 60% of his shots, pick and roll to Trey, uh, to Capella, that's not what you want to see. What you want to see is Trey shooting from half court, DeJounte Murray shaking, somebody getting dunked on from an alley-oop. Like, you don't want to see... Is that better than winning? That's my question. Well, that's like, my point. To me, that's what I think it is. The self-sabotage just to sell tickets seems backwards because you would sell tickets if the team was good. 
I, I can't make sense of it. I sat there and I almost I almost lost my mind that first quarter. Because they just kept shooting threes, and I could not for the life of me understand why. Yeah. So I don't, hopefully that's the reason I try to I try to as much as I can remove myself. Um are we gonna talk about your boy or are we gonna talk about how we got cheated? Which one you wanna talk about? We, I'm gonna go down the list. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this playoff bracket talk. I at this point the Hawks are squarely in the play in. I mean the sixth seed is forty and thirty four. We're thirty seven and thirty seven. They would literally we'd have to win the last eight or nine games and they would have to lose six of the last nine games for us to or seven of the five to five of the last nine games for us to even get to the sixth spot. To then So you're telling me we got a chance. No. <laughs> I'm telling you we have no chance. <laughs> um, so you want to stay in the seven or eight spot though. Because it gives you another game. It gives you two games. So you could, at the end of the day, you could end up losing to Miami and then playing Chicago, who we know should beat, or playing Toronto, who we have problems with. But we have, we are talent, talent-wise, we are better. You don't want to fall to that. I think we're the best team in the play. Because we shouldn't be and there. It it's easy to be the best team in the play when you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be there. Uh, you, <laughs> you right. The West play-in, right. OKC There's should no be in the play There's no way that the Knicks should be five. Boy, Hawks, y'all are some clowns. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Brooklyn got rid of Kevin Durant, and they're still better. And That's... Kyrie Irving. And they have won more games since. The, but, I mean, yeah. So I hope that we figure it out. Um, we got... I see us probably getting to the nine. Uh, I'm sorry, the seven seed. I see Miami faltering. Mm. The team that owns us. You think that we? You think that they falter before we do? They yeah. own us. I think we falter together. I just think that they fall a little <laughs> bit further down. The we all fall. <laughs> we all go fall now. <laughs> yeah, shoot. But um, so let's break down. With these Hawks, we're going to break down these last three games because we already talked about the Spurs on the last game, last episode. So we're going to talk about these three games, um, the Pistons, Minnesota, and the Pacers. So we talked about the Pistons, how the Hawks pretty much with this game, they led wire to wire. Um, They did let uh, uh, the Pistons power forward end up having like the best game of his life, if I'm not mistaken. He had a career high. Against we him. we let every 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 team. <laughs> we're gonna let no, somebody have like David Noir. He had 29 points in five minutes yesterday. He missed a shot. One quarter. He had 25 in one quarter. Um, he went. He went. Uh, Clay, and I'm just. I'm. But yes, if you want to have a historic night and also be a nobody, just play the Atlanta Hawks. We yeah, will give works. you that unique experience that you will need to put on game tape so you get hired for the next seven years of your career. Congratulations. <laughs> so against the Pistons, um, Trey went crazy. Let's look at the stats real quick. Uh, oh, Marvin Bagley the third had 31 points on 12 of 19. Trey had Trey ended up uh, having 30, 30 points, and 12. 30 points, 12 assists. And three three pointers made, and one of the better 
and it's starting to become a trend of him getting everybody else involved. Um, now it is against the Pistons, uh, so it's this easier is the to team. make we, shots. We we handled business in this game. I think at one point we went on like a 16-0 run. Bogey, I think, hit three three pointers in a row at one point. Clint had a very solid game with 16 points and 12 uh, rebounds. But this is what you're supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. This is a good team playing a bad team. You know, I'm happy that we did what we did. Also, you probably shouldn't let Marvin Bagley go nuts. But So Marvin Bagley went crazy, 31. I'm not impressed. Marvin Bagley ended up having 31 and 8. Uh, Ivy, Jaden Ivy had 17 and 5. And Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes had 21 points and 6 assists on 17 shots. So, I mean, defensive-wise, we were okay. What I liked about this game is John Collins, 15 and 8. DeAndre Hunter, 12 and 6. Clint Capella, 12 and 16. Trey Young, 30 and 12. Bogdan Bogdanovich, 18 and 3. AJ Griffin, 11. Sadiq Bay, 14. Okungwu, 7, 8, and 3. Everybody, of course, Gary Matthews, Aaron Holiday, and Creature played at the end of the game. But everybody got involved. This game was, I won't say close, but it wasn't put out of reach really until the third quarter. We had we came out exactly. of the half. It had a strong third quarter, which historically under Lloyd, under Nate, and under Quinn Snyder, for some reason, when we come out in the third quarter, we get absolutely boat raced every time. So, over the majority of the time, I won't say every time. But this game, they actually did pretty well, um, and they actually shut but, down the Pistons and put the game out of reach. Go ahead. But with that said, also, Detroit has lost 15 of their last 16 games. They're the worst <laughs> record in the NBA. Once again, man, congrats on doing your job. Y'all all got paid a lot of money to do your job tonight. Congrats. So, we won that game. Um, like I said, Trey Young, 30-12. and 12. Had a hell of a game. Um, you know, DeJounte Murray, this was one of the games he sat out because uh, he had a non-COVID illness. Uh, we also, a big piece that we've missed for the whole week has been Jalen Johnson. Um, correct. One thing that Quinn Snyder has gotten correct, or I'll say one of the one thing, one of the things that Quinn Snyder has improved on since he's been named coach is allowing Jalen Johnson to push the ball up the court and playing him more. It sucks that it's because you can't play – A.J. Griffin anymore because you have a nine-man rotation. But Jalen Johnson, for what we need as a team, is the better fit for the rotation. So we, we're missing him as well, which is a big deal. Um, Except for when he plays and goes nuclear like he has done now that Jalen's been out. We I, I really thought about this. I think that every rookie since Trey mm-hmm. and Herter yeah, mm-hmm. all of those guys have not gotten enough playing time every season. Not one season. We've never managed a rookie properly. And that's not a look. That's that's an organizational thing. Uh, Lloyd didn't play Cam. As, as, Nate was on. As Lloyd's. well as we've done with rookies Nate, that played. Uh huh. 
Lloyd didn't, didn't play Cam. Not played, it started with Cam. Terrible. It started with Cam. Lloyd didn't play Cam. Nate was on Lloyd's staff. He didn't play any rookies. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and Nate did not develop. He said development time was over. I don't know if that's organization, if it was just those two coaches' philosophy. Like, they didn't... Akungu should have played way more. Jalen Johnson should have played way more. Sharif Cooper, I believe, should have played way more. A.J. Griffin should have played more. There is... I'm a firm believer that... I don't know if A.J. Griffin is probably... is not. He's probably not top two in rookies, but he's top five in rookies if he plays the amount of time that he should have this season. I am I am a firm because every time he gets in, he he gets in and makes great basketball decisions. Every time his defense has come along, and he knows I'm only gonna get a few shots, and he's gonna he's not afraid to shoot them, and he makes them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I agree that he's probably in the upper half of rookies. You. Man, if not for the time that we let hot, the, the damn Hollander brothers play instead of A.J. Griffin, that sh- is criminal. Yeah. So, I mean, but we did what we had to do against the Pistons. That was a game that we were supposed to win. Then we played the Timberwolves. I was and am absolutely furious at how we always lose to the Timberwolves. Because in this game, they didn't have Anthony Edwards. Now, John Collins, seven again, seven of nine, 16 and five, um, was only a minus three. And it really shouldn't have been a minus three. But he was minus three in point differential. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 16 and four. Um, Capella, 11 and eight. Trey, 29 and eight. Bogey, 11 and two. Sadiq Bay 16, Okungu 14. This loss for me, was frustrating. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This loss was frustrating because John Collins was clearly the best player on the court for the Hawks the majority of the time. He hit a he hit a fadeaway from the corner at the shot clock was going there. He caught it on a, on a curl, faded away from the and then didn't take another shot until the third quarter. And this was in the first quarter. He came out scorching. Um and then from a coaching standpoint, so we got down after the second quarter, right? And in the third quarter, we ended up putting in the bench. If you remember, we put in the bench, right? The bench outscored the starters for Minnesota. And he kept playing the bench into the fourth quarter. And then right as they were going, he took everybody out and put in the starters. And, of course, then we ended up getting cheap. What were you about to say, though? So, um, Minnesota's bench played really good in this game. Uh-huh. Jaden uh, McDaniels played good. Nas Reed had another 26 points off the bench. I don't really get as mad about this game. I don't think that we match up very well against the Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are probably not really we're, we're not really set up to deal with that very well. Um, 
so I, I was I was more okay with this loss. Now, would I probably played more through John? Of course, John is also the king of the good first quarter, and then after that, it nothing else happens. Oh, shoot. And happened? I don't really know what to make of that. I don't know if that's him or I don't know if that's that's team wide. Where'd you go? Oh, there uh, this game was also okay. refereed very, very, very bad. So that's the thing about this game that also pissed me off. This game was refed horribly. I know I could do that. That is a game changer. Um, this game was refed horribly, 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 horribly. Before we get there, let's acknowledge Trey. A hundred games in a row with five plus assists. As a point guard, I feel like, huh? I was gonna say 101 because he before he got thrown out, he got the five <laughs> or six. <laughs> uh, I feel like as a point guard, this really shouldn't. I mean, this is just really this generation's participation trophy. Like you're supposed to have five assists every game as a, if you're a point guard, in my opinion. Call me old school. Call me what you want. Um, he's ninth all time. He's behind the greats of Tim Hardaway senior 102. John Stockton had 95 magic Johnson had 91, um, of five plus assists in a row. So he's got a long way to go, but he's on his way. Yeah. And I mean, with, with, with the players that you have on this team and at the pace, they play basketball now. Yeah. Yeah. Should be easy. So, Let's get into um what well, is frustrating this, this is immensely frustrating. So this last two minutes, um is one twenty five, one twenty four. They had just let me set the scene for the Hawks versus the Timberwolves. The Hawks were winning. Timberwolves got the ball with five eight seconds left. They gave the ball to Carl Anthony Towns. He goes, drives around John Collins, hooks him, clear hook. Uh, but John flops. So to me, oh, John flops. Carl Anthony Towns gets the call. He call a foul. Hawks challenge, lose. Carl Anthony Towns hits the two free throws. They're up to 125, 124. We get the ball, call timeout. We get the ball with three seconds left, and we end up running a play. Let me make sure this is muted. We end up running a play, and – while running the play, we ended up getting fouled. So here we go. What were you about to say? I was, we just get cheated all the time. But keep your eye on Sadiq Bay in the paint. So Sadiq Bay is at the top of the key. Um, just watch him. So he goes around, curl Sadiq Bay. They run. He DeAndre Hunter shoots the ball. Sadiq Bay gets undercut. By and uh, dropped and dropped by uh, what's the former Hawk name? Nas Reed. Nope, that's not Nas Reed. He used to play for the Hawks, went to Baylor. Oh, Torian Prince. That's Torian Prince. So he gets undercut by Torian Prince. We protested. Everybody said, ah, you know, it's not a foul, blase, blase, blah. The NBA actually came back and said that. It should this, have been a foul, if I'm not mistaken. Because I don't got to scroll down. Yes, yes. The very bottom, of the two minute report. This basically explains that he was undercut. Um, yeah, we should have got two free throws. 
Prince but, moves backwards into Bay's body, and the contact affects his put-back shot attempt at the basket. Should have been a foul. It's not like we need games or anything. And if you really look at not this, like, not like we're in a playoff hunt, not like our team isn't splitting at the seams. We need these games. We have to beat referees and beat teams with eight feet monsters. Congratulations. Welcome to being a Hawks fan, ladies and gentlemen. Like, follow, and subscribe. Yep, yep, yep. So that's frustrating, but we ended up, um, we lost this game. <laughs> that's a very nice way to put it, Reggie. We ended up losing this game, and, you know, that kept us at 500. That was a gut punch to me. That was a gut punch for me because I thought we were going to win this game. Carl Anthony Towns. Like it's said, on the heels crazy. of the last game we lost against the San Antonio Spurs. Just getting stomped out as a fan now. I'm telling you that. Now, in that game, what I don't understand how McDaniels, Jay McDaniels for Minnesota just keeps going off against us. 25 points, six rebounds. The defense against the four position, which has just been absolutely dreadful. And it's not all on John. It's on everybody that plays oh. that position. John, DeAndre Hunter, and um, Sadiq Sadiq Bay is Bay. Awful. Out there he getting awful cooked on, on defense. <laughs> he is awful. He, nah, it is. One, like I've said a million times, number one, Nate took the defense when he left. We stopped defending at night, and we weren't even at a high level then. We were at a decent, good, mediocre level. Now we are Nikola Jokic on defense. We're not <laughs> even trying. Um, yeah. Also, before we move on to the Pacers, we got to acknowledge on Yeko Kungu. Uh, he extended his block streak to eight straight games, and I believe right now, uh, as of the schedule, um, it's really at nine because he definitely had a couple, but he had a disrespectful block against the Pacers. Um, Absolutely. So he's at nine, which is the, longest, the longest streak of his career and the third longest active streak in, basket, in the NBA today. So we have a problem. And if nobody's figured that out, there is no good solution between Clint Capella and Onyeka Congress. I am sorry. Whatever <laughs> it is, it's a problem. <laughs> so it's a good problem to have, but boy, somebody ain't gonna be here next year and it's gonna be sad. So then we ended up playing. So keep that in mind about Big O, right? Keep that in mind about Big O. He's been playing out of his mind. He's actually averaging um Almost three blocks, 10 rebounds, and like 12 points a game per 36 minutes that he's been playing since they've been playing him more, splitting the minutes, which is kind of crazy. And I will, I will actually say that our bigs have been playing very well. John all Collins, Onyeka Kabu, and Clint Capella have been doing work. Excellent work. <laughs> and Jalen Johnson. Clint Capella, yeah, Clint Capella is, I think, six in rebounds. He's top 20 in blocks. Yeah, the bigs are doing their job. And you know what that typically means because we still lose. So then we ended up playing the Pacers. This was the game I thought we were going to lose. Then they said they had no Miles Turner, and I was like, oh, we should win. Then I, I was like, a million. So the Pacers, and I'm not even going to lie to you, the Pacers and the Hawks played a – it was a good game. But the Hawks' defense wasn't that bad against the Pacers. We allowed 130 points, right? 
Tyrese Halliburton only had 19, but he had 13 assists. Benedict Matherin had four. Benedict Matherin destroyed the Hawks last time he played us. He only had four points. He's a very confident shooter. He's a guy who does not mind shooting difficult shots. And I saw him take Clint down there on the baseline and hit him with a step back fade. And I was like, ooh, this is a – In Clint the corner. played great defense. Yes. Nothing you could do. And he just made it. And I was like, I wanted to be mad, but you can't be mad. Clint played good defense. And Ben just oh, I made, wasn't mad. I just said good shot. I just said good shot. Good shot. You gotta, you gotta eat that I was one. Tight I was big, man. I was like, you don't need, you don't even do Clint Capella like that, man. <laughs> I was like, you know, that happens. <laughs> that happens. It is what it is. But man, that the game me. against the Pacers, dog. Like, what I'm looking at, the Pacers. Everybody on the Pacers, Pacers shot over fifty percent. Not named Chris Duarte. Um, they went. He's 50. falling off so fast. I mean, he can't. They don't have nobody. Benedict Matherin is Benedict Matherin. Who is he gonna play over? Um, yeah. And then they got Noir. Nobody. nobody. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Hawks ended up, I mean, the Pacers ended up shooting 54%, but they were only 37% from three. Um, like I said, Halliburton was 19 and 13. And Jordan everybody Noir, else was just kind of like mid, 11, 14, 12, 11, 10, 16, 4. And then there's Jordan Noir. 25 points in the second quarter. Did not miss a shot. Jordan Noir. Now, and the I think the issue I got nothing for it. I got I he hit everything that you could possibly shoot. Oh no. And he was just making them. And you were like, and it was the Hawks versus him. <laughs> and he was holding them off. He was like, nah, I got him. And the rest <laughs> of my team is doing absolutely nothing, but that's fine. I got him. Mm-hmm. Um well, once Trey got kicked out of the game. I think that's when the Pacers lost. Unfortunately, that re-energized the rest of the team. And after that, they were like, oh, we're going to win now. I actually and they looked like a team a possessed opinion. after that. I have a different opinion. I agree to a certain extent that the Hawks got energized. So Trey ended up getting kicked out of the game. As you can see, they say Trey threw the ball towards the ref after disagreeing with the offensive foul. First off, yes, he threw the ball towards the ref. The way that's read and captioned, it, it it's you could think he like wound up and just hey. no, he just like he was mad. What they did, he ended up he thought this was an and one three, but he really got he really did kick his leg out. So he got called for the offensive foul. He got mad, pissed off, right? And that was and if you look at the score, I think the score was like eighty four to seventy something. That was gonna end up breaking the game open. He gets mad. Is you see everybody, so they ended up calling this. And is it this one? So he's upset, goes into yep, timeout. Right he gets mad, and that he throws the ball at the ref. Him throwing the ball at the ref like that is what got him ejected. Absolutely. Do you think he and meant that on purpose? You absolutely everybody knew he did it on purpose. If you go back, if you look at Beat's face, he's he look, look at his face. Mother, why did you do that? You oh, can preachy? see it. Yeah. <laughs> Cratchit, it's every time I watch a video, I die laughing because he's really like, it's that one person that just got everybody in trouble. That's who he is. Nothing. We all right, whatever it is, look at his face. Damn it. See? Well, as soon as he threw the ball, the ref was like, out of there. He didn't even signal technical yeah. foul. You know, nor because Trey had no technicals. This was a two foul, two technical foul offense, allegedly. Yes. 
Thank the Lord, though, because due to the fact that he got kicked out after this and not two texts, yeah, he, he's at fifteen. He's, yeah. he's at fifteen. Yes, texts. He's at he's fifteen. Not has to get to sixteen. But the other part about this is they're going to suspend him for this. You think so? I think they would have suspended him already if they would. Like Luka Doncic is going to get suspended. They've already announced it. No, they they just find him. They find they find him thirty five thousand dollars. Luka is suspended for sixteen texts. He got a tech today. Oh, oh! I think that they may suspend Trey for throwing the ball at the referee. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think him getting two texts, I don't think they'll suspend him. But no, but he only got one because they because it was an immediate ejection. But the next game is so if he gets another technical foul between Oh, yeah, yeah. If he gets another tech, he's suspended. I thought you were saying they're gonna suspend him for throwing the ball at the ref, and I was like, nah. I think that they might. I mean, or he's at at minimum fine, but I would not be surprised if they suspended him. Man, because like it's lucky he caught the ball. But if he don't catch the ball and you hit somebody in the face, hit somebody in the nose, yeah, now his you got nose a real broke. issue there. Yeah, now his nose is broke. So, and you've assault, you've assaulted a referee, like you know, like yeah, that, that's so, like putting your hands on him. You break somebody's nose. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up. You made a point earlier that the team kind of rallied around each other after Trey got kicked out because. While we were beating the Pacers, we weren't running away with the game. The Pacers were just hanging around. I mean, and they do run, but everybody ended up getting involved. Yeah, I didn't. Everybody else ended up getting involved in this game. John Collins had 21, led all scores uh, for the Hawks. I'm sorry, led the Hawks with 21 points. DeJounte had 20. Sadiq Bey had 18. Clint Capella had 17. Gar- well, we'll come back to Clint Capella. Garrison Matthews, 14. I didn't know he could shoot like that. Oh, San Diego State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that was, that was the selling point of him was he can really shoot the ball. And I saw him pass the ball a couple times once the offense got moving. And I was like, oh, you you got to fit like, in the offense. You don't – you're not like as much as I like Crutchy. He just don't have that same level of confidence when he's on the floor. Oh, over well, Garrison? No. Uh, Garrett, so Garrison Matthews can shoot out of this world. He hit one that was like Clay Thompson. Like, he came off the curl. The heel was above the line and hit that three. And I said, oh, you can do that? Which <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Like, it, like, more and more of why I'm not signing Bogey. If I've seen him in practice do that, I know – Somebody has to know that AJ Griffin has ice in his veins and does not care what's going on. He's going to shoot it and make it. Yeah. No, nah, AJ Griffin has been kind of off. Uh, but yeah, Trey Young had 14, who probably would have had more more points if he didn't get kicked out. Actually, I know he would have. And Yeka had 12, and AJ Griffin ended up having, um, <laughs> that's funny, ended up having 11 points. What I wanted to bring up about this game. And you brought it up earlier. You kind of uh, hit hit that point on the head. The front court has been playing out of their mind. Clint Capella. That's when we started to separate. The game was back and forth, and then I don't know if Dejounte just decided to give the ball to Clint, but Clint went seventeen to seventeen for a hundred a hundred percent field goals. He had seventeen. I'm sorry, twelve for twelve, not twelve for twelve. 17 points, 17 rebounds, and he only missed one free throw. 
against the Pacers, and he was just but, playing like, out of this out of his This world. is the point. Like this is how I started the game. There's nobody on the Pacers that can do anything with any of our bigs, and it was look there look. It's it's not even they're not even in the right position. They're not even attempting whatever he wanted. He was getting, and all the bigs were getting it. But we shoot threes. What and I I'm see sorry, Quinn Snyder got- is impl- implementing though, is that high low is that big to big action. You see how he's letting John Collins really facilitate almost as if he's plugging John Collins into like, see, okay, well, I can do that all the time now. I can put John Collins at the free throw line, at the wing, and he'll just pass the you have to do something because John is hitting the the mid range. And Capella's wide open. All of his looks if are John, at the rim. If John can just get to the point where he can catch the ball at the free throw line, put the ball on the floor, and either make the short pass to the big or attack the basket, you changed everything. That if he can do that confidently 90% of the time, right now I think he's about 65 seconds. That's my fair assessment. If he can do that, if he can get that to the next level of I can pass you the ball and you can make one to two good dribbles, you change everything. But it's too many times where he overextends himself and he'll get out of position. They'll take the ball. John John can't. John John got John can't dribble. You got to give John the ball at the free throw line and let him either or or post him. You can't give him the ball so that he faces up and you got to get him to dribble. That's not his game. But you gotta let you gotta let him get reps. Like it's like anything. You still gotta give somebody an opportunity to do this in the game. You don't ask him to do it enough for him to be confident in doing it when it really matters. Yeah, but our front court has been playing really, really well. Um they're gonna have to. Jaron Jackson Jr. is he reminds me uh-huh. of Bam Adebayo. It's a, par- it's a parade inside my city. Yeah. <laughs> they finna go crazy on us, man. <laughs> so you should have everybody for the first time in this matchup. I think everybody. Oh, no, because they don't have Steven Adams. I was going to say everybody's healthy, but they don't have Steven Adams. And they lost a the dude to the Achilles. What are you talking about? We are the team that's healthy ish, and we still we have the problem. We play in two hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we do play two hours. I'm going to get this over with. So, yeah. Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Hawks segment, we still got to talk about the Falcons and the Braves. Um, the Hawks. The Hawks have three, six, eight games left. I have no reason to believe that we will go anything less or more than four and four. So, uh, 40 and 40 or 41 and 40. Thank you for learning for with Norwood. 41 and 41 for the season gets you gets you seventh place. I think forty one and forty one gets you seventh place. You mid <laughs> mid mid mid. All right. Well ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of the Hawk segment of episode ninety six of the Splash Cast, the ATL edition. Uh we have the Falcons gonna be a quick segment and then the Braves gonna be a quick segment. And then we're gonna get on out of here. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. What can they do, Norwood? Like, follow, subscribe, listen to the playlist. That's it. it. We thank you. Appreciate y'all.
Be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our Falcon segment of episode 96 of the Splash Cast, the ATL edition. Got a few things we're going to talk about today. Real quick, real quick, offseason is here. Free agency is here. Um, also, it's getting closer to the draft, which means it's getting closer to OTAs, minicamp, first days, all of that stuff. So football season is about to ramp up, and it always starts out with what? Free agency. So let's talk about the Hawks free agency hall. I think we're pretty much done. I don't think we're going to pick up anybody else. Um, I could be wrong. We, we really waste a lot of time doing what we needed to do. Not at all. Which feel, makes me, which makes me feel a lot more confident that they were going in and they had all of these players kind of zeroed in as who they were interested in. And then they just went and kind of, you know, handle exactly what they want. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the Hawks, I mean the Hawks, the Falcons started out with $63 million in cap space. And now we're sitting at about, at the time of this research, which was, yes, this morning, we got about $20 million in remaining and have signed or re-signed 15 players right after free agency opened. Uh, Of course, our... uh, our pie in the sky, so to speak, was Mr. Jesse Bates the third, aka top three free safety in the league. Yep. Uh, this was a sixty-two million, sixty-four million. This is a big move for us. This is a move. I also want to say this is an effective move for us. We knew who we wanted. We spotlighted very early who we wanted, and we went out and got our guy. I, that makes me feel confident that they can they can identify available talent and go after it. Um, and and that's exciting for a team that is in transition, to say the least. Yeah. Um, with the loss of Isaiah Oliver as our nickelback, we needed which happened after this. We we knew going in that we had to strengthen our secondary. Strengthen our defense, but definitely strengthen our secondary. Yes. The the team pretty much, teams were scoring all of these points, throwing for all of these yards on half the field. Outside of the Saints in the first game, nobody really threw at A.J. Terrell all season. Yes, I mean, every cornerback is going to give up one or two plays here or there. But for the most part, nobody, they just threw at the other side because Casey Hayward ended up getting hurt. And our safeties, while they are – youthful i mean not youthful well they are youthful while they are um very excited and play with a lot of enthusiasm they're still young and they're not the the, we don't take advantage of turnovers we drop interceptions we miss tackles and all of that what jesse Bates does is erase all of that stuff right supposed to and it allows us prayerfully it allows us to now focus on getting a cornerback in the draft because we really we signed one cornerback, um, but it wasn't who you thought it was. So we ended up signing Mike Hughes, um, who was okay, okay signing. Two years is really a depth signing. Two years, seven million dollars. He's supposed to be the nickelback, but add, this, this signing tells me that 
the Nickelback is just basically a big open competition. There's nobody favored. You brought in Mike Hughes at two years, seven million dollars to compete with D. Alford um, and some of the other players that they resigned. And that's a one. That's that's a one year deal for sure. Yeah. Um. So no matter what it is, you can get out of it if you don't love it. Um. The secondary, and I, I don't hate that competition. I feel like we have enough kind of good enough players that healthy competition and the best person. We might not be world beaters there, but I think that the starter will be good. And for any reason, if somebody isn't in, their backup will be more than competent. Versus like last year, we had that. At Nickelback, we actually had a good Nickelback. I I think what you're saying is good for the Nickelback. I think for 100%, the Falcons are going for a cornerback in the draft. Um, They're either going to take the highest rated corner. They may just take the highest rated defensive player whether that's going to be your defensive end, whether that's your defensive tackle, whether that is your cornerback. I think they're going to take the highest-rated defensive player. So no receiver. Receivers off the board? Not at eight. Not at eight. Who are you going to take? And, and no lineman. O-lineman? No. So, well, let's get to it. So with the O-line, we signed uh, Ifedi back, Jermaine Ifedi. For, to basically compete at the right guard, left guard spot, um, he's a tackle, but he also he's he's a, he's a backup to McGarry, but he also can play right guard, swing tackle, and left and left guard. Um, we also ended up re-signing Caleb McGarry. Um, by re-signing Caleb McGarry, that keeps your right tackle in, with Lindstrom together, and we signed to three on a team friendly deal. Years. Yep, and of course we signed Lindstrom. And at that point, you already have Jake Matthews and you already have, uh, what is it, Dalton as your center. So the only person thing you draft is a guard. I could see them drafting a guard. I don't know if you draft a guard at eight. Skaronsky? Yeah, that's what I keep seeing. I see Skaronsky. The defensive end from Texas Tech, if he's still available. And then every now and then I'll see Joey Porter Jr. or the kid from, I think he's from maybe Oregon that plays cornerback, Gonzalez. Yeah, Gonzalez. Those, those are. Four, three, 40. Yeah. He's, those are the, the guys who I see in constant rotation at, at eight for us. Yeah. I see it. It's definitely defense. Um, the reason you also don't see us drafting a receiver or predicted to draft a receiver is because we signed Mike Hollins. So Mike Hollins is a six foot four, six four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six four, two hundred twenty five pound wide receiver who finally got. He was a special teamer for most of his career, and a but he actually got a chance to be uh, a starting receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, and he is actually very very effective in what run blocking, pass blocking. <laughs> I mean run blocking. Yes. Run blocking. So he had fifty seven receptions, six hundred ninety yards, and four touchdowns last year on a team with Darren Waller, um, Josh Jacobs, uh, Devontae, Devontae Adams, Adams. And, and Derek Carr, you have six, 57 catches for 690 yards. You can pencil him more in. Than, yeah. We like that. Four touchdowns. You can pencil him <laughs> in as probably your wide receiver number two, in my opinion. 
which is why you don't that. draft a wide receiver in the first round. What say you? What you think? And it's a one year. That's deal. tough because, yeah, it's a good deal on a guy who does what you really want him to do mm-hmm. offensively. I'm gonna, I'm about to talk myself into this. <laughs> in the offensive, I, you know how sometimes you just see it. I'm going to walk myself right into it. Y'all might as well have a seat. Come on with me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you got Drake London and Kyle Pitts. That's going to be your option one, option two, however you want to pick it. Then after that, you have John o. Smith, who will be option three. And then you have Mac Hollins, who will be option, you know, option four. He blocks very well. He's played in a team where he didn't, where he wasn't the focus and thrived, and he's big like every other wide receiver we got. Welcome to the Atlanta Falcons. We're all ready for you to be here. Yeah. See how easy that was? Yeah. <laughs> so we have him. Then you still got, you know, Cordell Patterson that you can just put anywhere. Um, exactly. So, you know, you ended up signing <laughs> him. <laughs> and we re-signed, of course, re-signed Cornell Armstrong as well um but i would probably say our biggest signings were on defense of course you had tay davis a uh, special teamer uh, we used a lot of our money to kind of fill in linebacker yep but then you also have uh hope this works david on your mind you got you got um yeah is that how you say his name david on yeah defensive lineman so he, as you know, we signed the Saints defensive line coach to be our, to be our uh, defensive coordinator, and he's brought over two Saints. One being David Onyemata. His philosophy is kind of like UGA's philosophy when it comes to offensive linemen. They cross train from nose tackle to defensive end. David Onyemata can play the three technique, which is the D tackle. He can play the nose tackle, and he can play the, the hand in the dirt four three defensive end which gives you a lot of flexibility to play multiple defensive fronts without having to make a bunch of substitutions. And the good thing is, like, yeah, they're going to move all of these guys through. He's been pretty durable, and he's a he's an aggressive player, and that's what the Falcons have been looking for. And let's be real, we're just still in the Saints team now. Started with Terry Fontenot, and he just, he's just over there cherry-picking whatever he wants. Whatever he wants and he thinks he can get, he is stealing from the Saints. Yeah, and well, we'll get to it. We'll get to the other point. Um, then we also signed Caden uh, Ellis as well. Caden um, Ellis, another Saint. He was a special teamer, but he ended up getting his spot last year being able to play in his opportunity, and he ended up getting seven sacks, and he's extremely athletic which is something that I see that we're going for at that linebacker position. The first linebacker that they drafted was the guy from Montana that can play running back and linebacker, fastest linebacker in the draft. Um, so you sign Caden Ellis to a three-year deal, which is really another deal that you get out of after 2024. It's another two-year deal. Um, seven you think sacks. he sees any time at edge? Yeah. I No. Well, I don't know. He's – I think he is the blitzing linebacker. I think you'll end up blitzing him from no hand in the dirt. Nope. He's going to be middle linebacker and probably your blitzing linebacker. 
I can see that. So um, they and they got him. I mean, three years, twenty-one million dollars. David on Yamada, three years, thirty-five million. We ended up getting these players at basically two-year contracts. Um, yes. Here's one signing that I really wasn't a fan of, but I get it. Oh no 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 no! Once you look at his stats last season, his stats are. are this is an upgrade for Mariota. Well, well hold on. Which, for the people that are listening, we're talking the Falcons uh, signed Taylor. That's why I let him the Falcons signed Taylor Heineke. Oh, my bad. Uh, Washington, Washington uh, former Washington quarterback, Washington Commanders quarterback, now will be the backup quarterback in Atlanta. Now, what I felt like you when I first saw this signing. I saw the money two years. It's like $20 million. I was immediately angry. Then I looked at it again as the same thing. We were going to pay Marcus Mariota anyway. And he was a starting quarterback for a middling team last year. He wasn't the reason that they played, that they didn't. He wasn't a detriment to their team. And had he played for the Falcons last year, I think we're probably a playoff team. So I feel a little bit more confident in this pick now um, for any reason. You know, God forbid you have like a Trey Lance situation. I feel like Heineke can get the job done. I also feel like, you know, if if the Ritter thing just doesn't end up working and we need to go in another direction for any reason, I feel like he can get the job done. He's not he's not a world beater, but of that class of guys that me and you always talk about that are like right on the cusp between starting and, and being a backup, I think that he is the top of that class. I didn't like this one at first until I read up on it. You got to so, talk yourself. Once you look at the stats, you be like, oh, I'm about well, to say, I literally was about to say, so take this ride with me. I'm about to do the same thing Norwood did. I ain't even talking about stats. I thought he signed for two years, $20 million, two years, $14 million. He says, and this is a quote from him. He told reporters he's joining the Falcons to back up and mentor Desmond Ritter. He's from Lawrenceville, Georgia, and he wanted to come home. And his deal is essentially structured as a one-year deal with the expectation that he can either be brought back as a relatively affordable backup to Ritter or cut, or cut, or if Ritter falters and the Falcons want to bring in a new starter and demote the third-year quarterback to number two. He is the ultimate team player flexibility friendly contract team friendly contract and understanding of his role on this team I think that is more the reason that they signed him versus anybody else because they learned it I'm giving I'm shooting Terry a whole lot of bail but I think they learned and give him credit I think they learned from Marcus Mariota Marcus Mariota saw himself as a starter and when he got demoted I don't care what y'all say. Y'all can say all this other stuff and give these reasons why he left. He quit because he he quit. He quit because he wasn't starting. Taylor Heineke knows his role. Marcus Mariota still thinks he's something that he's not or something that he was, and he's not anymore. Bro. Either way, gotta be the, it's gotta it's gotta be the liquor or it's gotta be the drugs. <laughs> in, in the word, in the famous words of Stephen A. Smith, stay off the, the weed. weed, man. <laughs> uh, uh, but for me, 
also I don't think that his intentions are that pure. Um, just like I don't feel like Mariota's were. I think he's in a situation where he looks at this team and says, "Well, damn, they got some pieces here. They surely got a couple pieces here." And look, that idiot Mariota, he got into seven <laughs> and ten. I, I know I could probably do that. And I mean, I don't know if Desmond Ritter's good or, or not. Either way, I was probably gonna be a backup. I can't be a backup. You say he's from Georgia. I can be a backup at home. And there's at least a 50, 50% chance that this doesn't work. And, and he's from Lawrenceville, which means he's down the street from the, from the club, from the crib. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a no so, brainer. Yeah, this, this, this is a high probability that I, this is a Jimmy G job. You just stick around long enough. Somebody give it back to you. And hey, you want this job. It's still here yeah. and we don't have nobody. So, Oh yeah, all I can do is get some some good publicity, and either I play for a team that's pretty good. If this thing goes bad, I probably get a chance to play. Yep, yep, yep. So the Falcons, and then everybody else that the Falcons signed aside, I do like the Lorenzo Carter signing. I think he is a another versatile player that can stand up. I told or you, put his hand in the dirt. Um, what the resigning of him? He he came on at the end no. of last year, or what? Yeah. At the very beginning, I was like, they're going to they gonna sign this dude again. They like him. He plays. He's just a very – he's another good football player. I can get out there. I can do my job at a pretty good enough level. Well, he plays the run very, very well from a stand-up linebacker position, which is something that we needed because Arnold, A.K., and D'Angelo Malone and probably anybody else that we draft is not – unless it's Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson are, are, are undersized. Right, so you don't have anybody that's and our linebackers. While they are athletic, they're not the biggest linebackers. So they're small. Grady Jarrett ain't the biggest dude either. Anyamata ain't three hundred and fifty pounds. So you need somebody that can hold up against stabilize that. And that's what Lorenzo Carter is there for. Everybody else, Keith Smith. We like. We have a tough team. A tough tough team. team, I've never. We've never like I've never used that word to describe the Atlanta Falcons. Tough. I feel like CP is tough. I feel like Algiers is tough. I feel like London is tough. I'm not, I feel, I don't know. Mike Hollins um, might be if he good at blocking. I mean, he likes yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, like we we like, we have players who don't mind contact. In the past, I don't think that we've, I think we've had very skilled players. I'm not sure we've always had the most physical or tough players. This is interesting from a team that, I think that the NFL has typically believed it's pretty soft. I mean, you have been. So, and then finally, we signed, you know, Cornell Armstrong, uh, a punter, uh, who's actually pretty good. Probably a bit, one of the better signings. Parker Hesse, who's We a, paid him. Yeah, three years, $8 million, $9 million. Parker Hesse, who's a really good H-back slash blocking tight end. And then uh, we signed yes. our, long, our long snapper, as well as some cornerback depth. So the the Falcons have used the rest of the money after making the big splash is just to shore up the rest of the the team, which when we talked about it. Just one stair step up. When we talked about it, we made the point last year, like, yo, yeah, you get Julio and Matt Ryan off the books, but you get everybody off. Everybody that they signed in the last offseason was, not this offseason, last offseason was a one-year deal. Everybody. <laughs> so I was and, like, oh. And they're spinning the, the ball right now. They're managing the future cap so that we continue to have money in the future. 
Uh, I think Pinion they spent a little bit more money on because he can do uh, plays kicking and he yep. can punt, so it's a good investment. Uh, and who is the other one that I was thinking about? Um, Keith Smith, the fullback. I think that might. That I know Pinion was one that to me. Oh, Parker Hesse as the blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. So hey, when it's time to block, hey, this is all you. But we still got Pitts. We still got yeah, Johnu uh, Smith, which is gonna, which is a crazy addition to me. Johnu Smith, addition. yes, and and we're short one guy. Mac Pitts, Johnu Smith, Mac Hollins. Oh no, not Mac Hollins. It's somebody else. It'll come to me in a minute. As far that as that we signed end. on offense, but I feel Parker Hess that we had. Yes, is it just those three? Oh, the the uh, the in the practice team player. The black dude with the dreads. Yeah. He ended up. But he's not gonna. He's I, not gonna make the team. I'm very confident in all of the group so far. The running back room. I still think we're probably gonna draft one of those guys, and I think we'll probably end up with a veteran. The wide receiver room is stable. Tight end group stable. Offensive line stable-ish, strong. We need we we, we have one. We still got the same pothole in the offensive line that we got to fill, and that's your left guard. You can figure out left guard. Then we're kind of crazy <laughs> if you figure yeah. if you figure out left guard. But um, and then a, defensive line. I also feel I feel like all these guys have gotten. We may not be the. We may not be strong, but it's stable. We got a stable defensive line, and that is that's a step in the right direction. If you think about it, he's building the Saints defense in Atlanta. You get good secondary, decent linebackers, and rotational defensive players with a stable, with a, a staple, yeah. a stable, a staple defensive line, which is Grady. So you get those guys. I mean, everybody else, that's what he's doing. So, but you it made just, two it's points. Strategic, and you can tell that they got like a game plan. I'm, I'm two points. One. You made the point of they're positioning themselves to make moves next year. The Falcons, as of now, with the salary cap going up, if they were to not, you know, re-sign some of the one-year contracts and everything and just have the players under contract that they have under contract now for 2024, would have 60-something million dollars in uh, cap space again. So... And next year's free agent class is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Saquon Barkley, Lamar Jackson, um, Josh Jacobs, just to name three players. Derrick Henry, uh, 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 Devon, uh, uh, there's a couple receivers. Mike Evans. As well. Mike Evans. Just to name a few. That's So if you go in there with $60 million again next year, you're kind of crazy. So they're definitely. I, I think they're trying players. to stay from getting head over heels. Well, that's what he who shall not be named um, said in a podcast interview. <laughs> he said that the he said the Falcons do not want to. The former GM of the Falcons said he does. The Falcons do not want to get into cap hell again with contracts like Julio and Matt Ryan at the end of their career. So you're going to see more three, four year contracts at the most from this regime, um, which is good. Good for me. I think that's. I think that's even better for the guys who get paid a lot of money mm-hmm. because eventually Matt was just having to restructure the contract to make the team livable. 
you know, if you're paying, if you get paid a, a ton of money, but you got to restructure and your team is just basically, you know, paper mache, then what are you really doing? And that that's what I think was the downfall of Matt Ryan. And, but love yeah. those guys and bring Julio back. I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind. You could resign Julio and retire as a Falcon. Um, important dates coming up. Important dates coming up. Uh, April 17th is the first day that you can actually, um, I guess, first day of offseason. Uh, OTAs. I mean, of course, you have the draft, which is April 27th. So that's why you don't really see anything from 17th to May. It's because you have to have um, you have to have the draft, and then you have to have rookie minicamp. So you have April 17th is when the first day of all season starts. The draft April 27th starts. OTAs for the entire team, May 23rd to 25th, May 31 to the 2nd, and May June, I mean, I'm sorry, June 6th through the 9th, and then mandatory minicamp is from June, in June. So the off season is about to go, is about to ramp up. Um, so we'll be able to see what these pieces look like together. Can't wait for it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't yes. Wait. And I guess but, we're still required to monitor this Lamar situation and see how it goes. No, we're not. Collusion. I'm also collusion, collusion. Yeah. I de- yes. I 100% think it's collusion, but we will get to that at a different time. I think that is it for the Falcons. Keep us in your thoughts and prayers when it comes to these guys. This looks like it's going in the right direction. Yeah, man. We're uh, We'll be right back. We got to round it out with the Braves. Uh, not too much to talk about. Just kind of opening day. And uh, we'll be right back. Y'all stay tuned. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with our final segment of episode 96 of the Splash Cast, the ATL edition. I'm going to talk about the Braves. It is Bravos baseball season. And the Braves, was it spring training, spring training, summer practice games? Spring games have been going crazy. They've been playing very, 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 very well. Um, Back to hitting home runs. Ronald Acuna looks crazy. Uh, uh, the uh, Austin Riley looks crazy. Chris, I saw uh, Ronnie get one looks, out of the little stadium. They was he hit it out the stadium. <laughs> he hit it so far out the stadium. The people at the edge of the stadium didn't move. They just oh, there it go. There it go. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, that that brought joy to my face. Hey, pay that dude again. Whatever he asked for, just go ahead, give him a blank check, is, give him the money. We need him. Um, the Hawks is, don't have any sense. The Falcons trying to build something. Please bring some stability back to my life. Pay this man whatever he is owed, and probably a little extra. Yeah, man. So uh, opening day, March 30th, 2023, which is Friday. That's opening day? Opening day is yes. Friday. Um, of course, our opening day starter. <laughs> the is confusion next- <laughs> on your face. That is the reason that I put that date there so that you would know it's next week. Well, this uh, week, excuse me. Max Freed, of course, is our opening day starter for the second year in a row. Um, then after Freed, it'll be Strider, Kyle Wright, 
or we thought Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton, and then a fifth person. Um, looking for Max Free to have another strong year. That's another man that, hey, you need to pay him or he's going to leave. There's another guy that needs to be paid. Um, going to be our ace. Mike Soroka has been pitching. I'm still yeah. holding out hope for Mike Soroka because he was our ace. He was better than Max Freed when they were both healthy three years ago. Um, and then, of course, you know, he tore his Achilles twice. So, uh, But he is back to pitching. Had a one-inning, one-earned run, two-strikeout performance. Well, 1.1 innings. So he's still getting his sea legs back. So looks good hopefully it'll look good i mentioned kyle right starting this oh go ahead my bad yeah starting the season with with freed is perfectly fine he is our ace please pay this man and i feel comfortable with him being our ace and the leader of our pitching staff yeah we are on to something good here yeah um i think we've got something good i think right now we, I don't know, and I hate to say this because I love Dansby and I love Freddie, and it remains to be seen what the team looks like. But with Ronald Acuna being 100% for the first time in two years, getting Ozzy Albies back, the signings that we've made, the reinforcements that we have. Now, I am scared about Von Grissom, but the signings that we've made, I don't know if we've lost much when it comes to chances of winning um, winning the World Series. I think we're pretty much just a very similar team. Yes. We found a way. We're very similar to, to me how I look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You're just going to have some major subtraction. The thing about the major subtractions is how do you counter those and what do you supplement them with? And we've had the ability that when we have a subtraction, we find another addition. And as long as we continue to do that on these type of, you know, now that we have the majority of people signed, I think that's how they plan to manage this team going forward. Um, yeah. Want to get into your boy and him starting on the IL? Man, Kyle Wright, man. Our only, I think he was our only 20-game winner last year. Cy Young winner. Um, hell of a year. Starting out on the IL. I think it has to do with, I don't know what it has to do. Is it abductor? 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 It's his shoulder. They're trying to, you know, he still doesn't have 100% of the strength that they're looking for. In this time, they're actually going to use Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd to be the supplement. This will give them an opportunity to kind of get comfortable, get some reps in. And then, you know, the reason that I'm not super concerned about this is you eventually get him back and Soroka to an already pretty strong pitching staff. At that point, they don't have to pitch. They didn't have to start out pitching a ton of games, but by the time that we need them and really need them, I think, you know, they'll be ready. So we should have a very deep pitching staff and eventually a very strong pitching staff. Ah, yes. Good points are made. I'm more nervous about Kyle Wright being hurt because Ian Anderson hasn't taken the next step. Ian Anderson, along with Von Griffin, were optioned down to AAA baseball. Both of those guys were supposed to be integral parts in replacing Dansby Swanson and adding to our pitching staff. 
that makes I think nervous. that we I think we slow playing here, man. I think we slow playing. We don't want to show our whole hand. I think that, you know, you know, because they said Ron Washington basically said that he doesn't think Grissom is 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 fully ready. But we've also seen Grissom play well enough that he can play. If 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 push well came to show, I I feel confident that he could play. But I feel like them giving him, you know, a little bit more time to get to where they want him to be is perfectly fine. I feel like who's we're starting? going to be a huh? Who's the starter? Albies and who? Uh uh is uh Acacia Acadia? That's who they're oh, gonna go with to start yeah. out with. Yeah, I forgot about him. Really? Yeah. Wow. He hasn't played a ton of shortstop from what they've seen, though. They I think they kind of want to see what they have in him first. And then from there they'll make a decision. I'm not concerned about Vaughn Grissom at all. Um, I do hope that, you know, Ian and I'm not super concerned about Ian Anderson. Pitch is a little bit different to me. But I feel like he can get it together, and then Kyle Wright comes on second half, and Mike Soroka comes on, and then you start you start plugging in more to a team that's already you forgot about pretty Charlie confident. Morton. So what? You forgot about Charlie Morton. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason. Once, if we could just get to 100%, that's a big we're a dangerous team. We ain't been 100% since the World Series. Since before the World Series. Right. That's a, that's a hard point to get to. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of the Splashcast ATL edition of episode 96. Norwood, if we didn't miss anything, take us out. All right, all right, all right. Number one, bonk, bonk. before we get into any of that, <laughs> Uh, opening day for the Bravos is on the horizon. We're excited. It feels good to be back into baseball season. Uh, football is getting ready for, for summer practice. That also is exciting. And the Hawks, we're alone for the ride. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> the roller um, coasters of the roller coastiest of seasons. To yes. stay right in the middle. It's going, Up, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't know how that shakes out, but it's going to shake out. I'm not stressing about that anymore. Now that we've covered that, always remember, like, follow, subscribe, support the podcast, tell other people about the podcast, and listen to the playlist. It's fire. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it'll be another 36 next week. Uh, I'm working overtime. Getting warm outside. With that said. warm outside. Yes. Oh, and all the, all the music is, is outside music. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, number one, number one, more black baseball. Number two, more black cowgirls and more black cowboys. And of course, number three, by far the super most important, uh, the historically black college university that your cousin went to, your auntie went to, um, the one that your nephew is going to send some money over there, support the historically black college university in your neighborhood. Why don't you go to homecoming, step shows, tailgate, just to be around your people, send some money over there. And then to the greatest learning institution in all the world, the Hampton University, uh, send some money over there on behalf of me and Reggie, even if you just send $18.68 on behalf of the year that that university was founded, the Hampton University. We would greatly appreciate that. 
Um, ain't but one thing left for us to do now, Reg. Hang out. Hang out. Appreciate you. Buenos noches. Arriba dirty. Until we meet again. Hasta la vista. Waiting for Reggie to hit end on the podcast. This is the Splashcast weekly schedule. You can find us on Monday, Monday Night Raw. That is the Around the League edition where we cover all of the major leagues around the league. Tuesday is the ATL edition. Braves, Falcons, Hawks. Wednesday is when the playlist comes out. It's a Splash Cash 24, 12, or 36 pack, just depending on the music. Thursday, for everybody who was not able to catch us live on Monday, they can catch up there on the Around the League edition. And then Saturday, of course, we bet beers for Saturday Morning Live. If you ever need to find us, we can be found at thesplashcast.com and, of course, via Instagram, at thesplashcast. Welcome to the Splashcast. You can find us at the link below. You can find the podcast versus audio and visual on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Our social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter is at underscore the Splashcast. We can also be found on Twitch. We can be found on Facebook, TikTok. Also below that, those are our episode playlists. The newest one is always up. We can be found on Apple Music. We can be found on Spotify. There is a playlist home, which is for all of the different playlists. And then we have the playlist master list, which is every song that's ever been on any of the playlists. And of course, for all of you podcasters, we can be found on Anchor at the Splashcast. Watch is one of one, it came from Paris, it came with some documents. I'm seeing you do your thing, I know, I know, but I do the opposite. 180, that shit is ass, trash, trash, that shit is sloppiness. Bitch, I know who I am, 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 hey. Back in the day, I was robbing shit, the ops was having trouble stopping it. Selling out the crib, lining up the street, neighborhood was copping it. Mama in the crib, lying through my teeth, told her it was all legit. Fuck how I did it, dirty up my image, too late they let me in Either way a nigga rich I'm with a million dollars in a smile, I could probably take your bitch Fly out to France, pull down a pants, pair bonding with my dick Having conversations over fish, show her how to stack chips You was just thought and now you wanna have a revolution, now you changed That ain't a problem, just don't bring the thought to me unless it's with the brain Lay flat on the plane Go to sleep in LA, then I wake up in Spain. Now nah, we on top, we on top.